Welcome back to the FSC podcast. In this episode, we give you exclusive access to insights from the recent FSC Mental Health and Life Insurance Roundtable webinar, where industry leaders and community voices shared their thoughts on the unfolding impacts of the coronavirus outbreak on the mental health of Australians. This episode is the first of a three-part series which sets the scene on the current short-term and predicted long-term mental health impacts of coronavirus on Australia's community. In this episode, we'll hear from Margot Lydon, the CEO of Superfriend, an organisation that advocates for, equips and empowers profit-to-member superannuation funds and insurers to achieve mentally healthy workplaces for their staff and members. Here's Margot to tell us more. So, as we understand it, um, there's a third of the Australian working population who are working from home or who have the ability to work from home. Two-thirds of the working population do not have that ability to work from home. Obviously, the government has announced a range of different um, packages, uh, the job seeker, the job keeper. There's a range of supports for business um, to provide some levels of support and stimulus. Uh, the the uh, healthcare system has pivoted very, very quickly to offering telehealth supports for people um, needing um, medical uh, supports, and that includes psychological interventions as well. Um, Safe Work Australia has announced and released today some guidance material for workplaces where people are still at work um, because there are questions for those workers if they do uh, contract coronavirus, um, what are their what are what are their roles and responsibilities? What's the employer's roles and responsibilities, etc. We at Superfriend have heard from many of our partners, um, funds and insurers and the contact centres that there is a substantial increase in the volume of telephone calls to the contact centres and in a huge increase in the number of customers who are distressed, aggressive, um, very, very precarious in their, their mental health um, and, and talking about their mental health, uh, the, stress, the stresses that they're under. So I think we've got a particular um, pain point within this industry for the frontline staff um, at contact centres in particular, but other frontline staff dealing with employers and so on. From a mental health perspective, um, I know the word unprecedented has been used incredibly um, daily, momentary, you know, overused probably, but I think we are in unprecedented times. Um, we know from a human, basic human need, that sense of belonging and connectedness is absolutely fundamental to our well-being, including our mental health. We're being asked to socially distance. I know that many of us in mental health world are, are talking about physically distancing and socially connectedness um, and trying to reframe the language that is being used so it is more inclusive about being socially connected. Um, we are looking at a much longer term than perhaps initially thought and that is having um, the um, ambiguity of that as well as the long-term nature of it is having significant impacts. 
As Sally mentioned, the blurring between work and life. We used to think about uh, work infiltrating our, our personal lives, um, but now it's very much a, um, there's no boundaries, it's all blurred. And that has a whole raft of consequences. We know that in situations like this, domestic violence um, is a massive issue and is um, already spiking. Um, we've got increased mental health um, people who are uh, either current or previously experiencing a mental health condition. Their symptoms um, are certainly increased during times like this. Um, people who may have not had a mental health condition diagnosed previously are certainly experiencing uh, it's symptoms of anxiety and stress um, and other symptoms. There is an increase in the number of people with mental health conditions and very sadly an increase in suicide. In the upcoming part of this podcast, Margot puts the spotlight on a significant part of Australia's population who are often overlooked when it comes to assessing who the most at-risk people in the community are. One of the populations that is, has been completely missing from the agenda up until literally I read an article today is the significant number of people who live on their own. 25% of the Australian population is a lone person household. They're staring down the barrel of at least six months without physical touching of anyone. They're staring down the barrel of not being able to share this time with somebody um, in their household. And they're sitting on screen seeing others with family members, you know, partners bringing cups of tea, um, you know, these sorts of things. So I think we've got to really understand as an industry, we're going to be dealing with people whose personal circumstances are really going to infiltrate um, how, you know, infiltrate every conversation and how uh, their mental health state is. We know that of the 2 million people living alone, over 55% are female, um, and that we know that the, at, that loneliness affects the immune system. So it's very often that you have increased symptoms of flu-like symptoms and the ability to, um, to uh, you know, get sick with other viruses. Uh, so I think we've got a, an opportunity as an industry to be talking um, to government about how could we potentially support people who do live in one-person households. From a long-term perspective, that forced isolation is going to be um, a really significant impact on people's mental health and wellbeing. Um, the conversations I've had within the mental health sector is that we don't really have evidence to know what those impacts actually are going to be. We can draw from similar but not the same situations such as the SARS um, outbreaks and other outbreaks previously, um, looking at the mental health implications of asylum seekers and prison populations where they are in isolation for periods of time. But the big difference between those and this, one, this situation is that this is whole of population. It is whole, it's globally. And there is an element of we have no choice in this. Um, and uh, when you, I guess, when you when you do commit a crime, there is an, a way up in your mind as to if you get caught, it, it, as one example, as to know what that uh, what the downside of that might be. 
Um, we've also seen the police stepping in and using law enforcement to enforce the government's um, restrictions. And again, I, I um, you know, raise concerns for me with people with particularly complex or severe mental illness, how they're going to respond. There are some silver linings associated with this, and we can't forget those silver linings. Um, you know, there, there will be new uh, and emerging uh, good things that come out of this time. This, um, you know, the Australian population is a creative, innovative population. And so I really look to this industry to look for those silver linings and ways that we can be working together. That was Margot Lydon, the CEO of Superfriend, speaking at the recent FSC Mental Health and Life Insurance Roundtable webinar. We hope you found that introductory episode worthwhile. To hear further discussions from the webinar, listen to parts two and three of this series, details of which can be found on the FSC's Life Insurance Facebook page, which can be found by searching at FSC Life Insurance. That's all one word, at FSC Life Insurance. And don't forget to like and follow the Facebook page while you're there. Links to references mentioned in this episode can be found in the related Facebook post. So, for now, thanks very much for listening, and goodbye. If you or someone you know is experiencing anxiety or depression, you can contact Beyond Blue on 1300 224636. That's 1300 224636. If you or someone you know is thinking about suicide, you can call Lifeline on 131114. That's 131114.